Welcome to the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast. This is episode 21, December 20, 2022. This is the final episode for the year. We're so thankful for all of our listeners and we look forward to beginning again in the new year. But today, the Baldies, Pastor Ben and Pastor Aaron, talk about some national celebrations. This week, Go Caroling Day on December 20th, Blue Christmas on December 21st, and National Cookie Exchange Day on December 21st. We talk about Pastor Ben's message last Sunday in the Ponder a New series as we think about Jesus, who is the superior Moses. Friends, once again, we're so thankful for all of you. We look forward to getting back into the new year and having another podcast. But until then, God bless you. Grace and peace to you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Now, friends, let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged. So sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean, come and take a listen to your two bald kings. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud. I'm joined with my dear friend and colleague, Pastor Ben Hitsfield. Yes, sir. Brother, Merry Christmas to you. Yes, Merry Christmas to you. It is Christmas week. Oh, man. You got uh, any big plans? Too much. Too much going on. But um, it's a good good much. So, you know, we've got stuff for the church this week. That really dominates the schedule this week. Um, And, well, and also add to that. Eliana went to tryouts for Willy Wonka last night All right. at uh, the Rubidoux Resident Theater. And it was cool because the parents got to stick around and see how it all goes. And to see Eliana stand up there and sing in front of a whole group of people a song from Willy Wonka that really the average person wouldn't be able to sing on key um, or even like it's – and it's a really funky, yeah. you know, like the timing of it. Mm-hmm. And she, it, like I was just <laughs> – I was just hoping she wouldn't be like like the worst. And so it like – she was – she came in like middle of the pack, right? Mm. And it just – I was like, oh, you did so good. You know, so anyway, so she did that last night and then tomorrow – tonight she's going to go back and do some more um, reality is – less than half of the kids are actually going to get parted for this. Sure. And so we've been talking up about uh, sort of let's use this as a learning experience, a growing experience, and, you know, continuing to 
you know, if you enjoy doing this, let's find other opportunities where you can put yourself in these positions to sing and dance in front of people. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's great. So it's pretty cool. So and the worst thing that could happen is she could get Violet, and then you would have her channeling probably <laughs> yeah. inner parts of herself that right. you never wanted to exactly. see. But <laughs> right. Exactly. So, well, yeah. that's pretty neat. Yeah, so, what yeah. About, what about you? Uh, we've got really nothing going on. So, this is like the first Christmas. So, Chris Schmitter asked my wife, you know, do you yeah. have any plans? And yeah. I, I just struck a nerve where she started crying a little mm. bit because it's one of these, mm. I think, the first time in her life mm. that there won't be family around for Christmas. Yeah. And so, there's part of that that we're really looking forward to, and obviously a part of it that's sure. kind of like there's some some grief yep. around that. Um, and yep. so, it, like Thanksgiving was, uh, my mom was in town this year, and so, but it was pretty low key. That was yep. the lowest key one we've had in a long time. So Christmas will be even more so. I'm sure. And I actually think we're, for us, we're really happy that it fell on a Sunday. Because we'll sure. get to see and share be uh, with, with the, the community family. people. And then we'll be ready to be by ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Okay. So there's um, sort of a blessing in that. Yeah, absolutely. Good. I'm really Good. excited about it. So, yeah. no, But no big plans. Yeah. And that'll be kind of nice just to, to snuggle in for a yeah. week or so next week. And uh, we're going to have the youth kids Sweet. out for a movie night and and get, try to get together for some dinners. But for the most part, our holiday plans is to just sit down and – It's great. And Shabbat a little oh, bit. Oh, man, that Have sounds some so good. Yeah. But, um, Shabbat and Coco. So today mm. I thought we would do just talk about there's a lot of national celebrations, and so I put a string together today. Yeah. Um, the first is actually today, December 20th, when we're recording this, and it's Go Caroling Day. Mm. So once upon a time, Pastor Ben's Christmas celebrations wouldn't have been anything without caroling. And this is exactly what is celebrated on Go Caroling Today, uh, Caroling Day on December 20th today. It's about nothing else but mer- merrily singing songs from door to door in the spirit of the holiday season. Christmas carols were very popular decades ago before there is digital entertainment to distract us. Look at them just pinning the demise of caroling on <laughs> devices. But anyway, as it came, more and more co- uncommon to sing along to carols, Go Caroling Day revives and preserves this classic tradition. So my question to you is, do you have a caroling story? Is this something that you did regularly growing up? or? Yeah. One of my favorite things was the church, the churches that we belong to would have, like they would say, hey, let's meet at the church on such and such mm-hmm. night. And we'll go caroling. And sometimes it was at nursing homes. Sometimes it was mm. getting on the back of a, of a hay wagon and going through a neighborhood and singing carols. But then the, the ending was always the best part because you're going back to the fellowship hall. Yeah, that's right. And you got the ladies there, the church kitchen ladies, mm-hmm. that have got the Christmas cookies and the hot cocoa and the and the coffee. And so that's like seared into my brain when I think of caroling. And I and I think we got to get back to doing that. Mm. I mean, we got to find ways to do that because it, it's such a good way of spreading uh, the message of Christmas, the joy mm-hmm. of Christmas, of, of bringing to, to people who are feeling lonely and, and in despair. It's such a good way to bring joy to folks. And I, I think one of my favorite times, there, there's two that come to mind. Um, I was at, um, I was living in Manhattan. I was a college student and my dad and stepmom came over to visit me one time. And they were supposed to come and hang out at, at our little bachelor pad there where my roommates and I lived and all my roommates were out of town. And they were supposed to come and spend Christmas Eve with me. And so they get there and they said, hey, let's go to some friend's house from from Mm -hmm. the church that they went to. And so we loaded up in the car, went to their house. And then we got there and they said, hey, let's go walk around our neighborhood 
and go caroling. Mm. And so we went to like three or four houses and in each house they came out and like gave us fudge. One house invited us in for apple pie. The other house invited us in for coffee. Nice. And it was like, it just like we're given joy. They're given joy. Mm. And then I think one of my favorite times was when we were in, in uh, Bastrop, Texas, and we did this uh, downtown caroling. The churches got together. We met in the parking lot of a bank. And then we went down Main Street and went into the establishments and went into one of these bar and grill kind of situations. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's packed. Tons of people are in there. The waitresses are moving. And the waiters are moving all around the place. And they welcomed us in. And we kind of formed a circle around the, the dining room. And for just a brief moment, everything stopped. Mm. And all this service stopped, and we sang, you know, one of the great Christmas carols, one of the, you know, that tells the story of the birth of Jesus, and everybody's singing, and it's joyful. You know, I, I it just, ah, there's just something about it. What, it is beautiful. Oh, gosh. What about you? What's, what sticks to you? So, you know, we, I pastored in Florida, mm. and so it was always weird caroling in shorts. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That never felt quite quite right. But yeah. it was kind of nice yeah. to be out there and not be freezing. But I, one year up in Spokane, uh, it was kind of a transition year. So we were, we had uh, had a lead pastor step out, and so it was a kind of it was the first holiday season where um, we were just kind of in flux. Yeah. And it was really neat. We rallied together at the church. Um, we had some young elders there, so a lot of young families. Yeah. And we decided to do caroling. And it was fun to go out because you had this like amoeba of children yeah. that would like go up and knock on the doors. Nice. Um, and so that was kind of fun, just watch them get really, really involved in it. Yeah. And then we had, we did turn it into a bit of an event, came back, and we'd had cookies. And we actually had uh, them just do um, sugar cookies and then let the kids decorate um, and just gorge themselves on cocoa and, and sugar sugar cookies. So good. Um, and so it was a lot of fun because, yeah, it brought a little cheer to yeah. just – yeah, it was just a time where things weren't bad necessarily, but it was just obviously a transition period. And so it was a, yeah. kind of a rallying, one of those events where you could feel like it rallied the church together a little mm. bit. And there's something about singing and it's eating. Good. Yeah. That'll do that. The church has been doing that for centuries, man. And it's you almost do that weekly. like Jesus <laughs> knew – what we needed for unity. Oh, <laughs> Just, and if you're eat. singing and eating, you're you're not fighting typically. But <laughs> so National Caroling Day, go Caroling Day, and get out there before it's negative five out on Thursday, right? I mean, get out there before it's too cold. So um, now uh, Wednesday is December twenty first, and that's Blue Christmas. So not to, I don't want to be down here, but I think it was interesting. I had not heard of this. Uh, before I came to Shiloh, I heard you did this service. I go, oh, that's a really neat idea that he had. Yeah. And then as I was researching this week, I realized it wasn't an idea that you had. No. You just you it's stole been around from for a little, little bit, yeah. a, little, a little while. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Um, so I, nope. again, I'm I, I. There's probably a lot of people out there who are ignorant, <laughs> like me. Sure, sure. Educate us yeah. on this uh, this little event here. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the winter solstice happens right there before Christmas, and usually that means it's the, sh- it's the day with the least amount of sunlight. Mm. Um, churches have seen fit for, mm. for a while now, really, um, and it may have not been called a blue Christmas service, sure. right? It's probably been other, maybe longest night or other things, or just an opportunity to get together in grief. But just thinking about all of the people in, in our church family right now who they've lost someone in the last year, mm-hmm. and it's already been a difficult you know, few weeks um, for them. And I know last year when we gathered for this, we did this service for the first time at Wyatt Park here last year, 
and uh, Becca had lost her grandparents mm. all in the scope of that last mm-hmm. year. And so when we gathered, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily thinking about what Rebecca was was feeling. Um, I was thinking about what others were. And then, you know, during the, the course of the service, I just noticed, oh, man, this was just as much for, mm. for Becca and Eliana as it was for everybody else. And there were people there that, you know, maybe the, the grief and the wounds of loss weren't as fresh for them. But it was what I saw happen last year was mm. it was like a, a coming together of we're going to weep with those who weep. And uh, because we're gonna, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and there and there's there is that time uh, for rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about um, uh, the scripture that talks about uh, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so mm-hmm. we just recognize that there is joy on the way, uh, but sometimes in between, we, we've got to minister to those who are who are hurting and give them a place to um, do something. And so part of Blue Christmas is giving people that. Not that they need permission to do it, but to know that it, it's it's good to feel to let God into and being open and honest before God with with all of our feelings, and know that you know the scriptures. I mean, the Psalms are you have Psalms of lament and Psalms of crying out before God, mm. and so giving them those tools and and letting letting them know that the tears that they that they go through, not to avoid them I mean, because God uses all right. of our emotions. They can be God redeems them, and so. Um, to just find God in the middle of our mess. And I think that's what a lot of Christians, it's almost like when we go through mourning and, and difficult times, we, we, we might feel like God is, where is God? Well, God's right there with us, mourning with us. I mean, he's not, he's not clean. One day he's, he's going to wipe all this away and mm. there will be no, no more tears. But until that day, he's with us, weeping with us, mm. you know, so... Um, yeah, so if um, you know that's something that anyone's interested in being a part of, six o'clock on Wednesday night here at Wyatt Park and Christian Church, unless we have like just crazy snow, we'll make that decision Wednesday. So pay attention to the church Facebook page, uh, and if you're on, if you get emails from us, uh, check your emails, and we'll we'll send out a message if we have to cancel on Wednesday morning. So awesome. Well, I thought uh, it would be good maybe just to say a prayer for yeah. those in our church body who are grieving. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Pastor, would you mind? Let's do that. All right. Yeah. Gracious Lord, uh, we just want to pause and make space for, for you to do a work in, in the hearts of all who are listening, uh, whether they're listening this week or maybe they're coming across this podcast at another time. And, um, and Lord, we know that the, the pain of, of loss doesn't just happen this time of year, but certainly it is brought to the forefront this year as people are thinking about gathering with with friends and family, and there are empty places around the table, and there are memories that people are holding on to, the precious, dear memories. And so, Lord, uh, we do give thanks for the memories that we have that we hold on tightly to uh, from those that that were once a big part of our life. Um, We give you thanks for your uh, Holy Spirit who comforts us and who carries us through the darkest days uh, of our life, and we also uh, give thanks for the ultimate hope that we have is, is that you know, someday you're, you're making all things new. You're, you're turning this world uh, in, back into the paradise that uh, you started it out to be. And so, Lord, um, for all of those who are just going through their silent battles today, help them to feel seen, help them to feel heard. Let them know that if they need to talk to somebody, um, that whether it's someone here at the church, whether it's a staff member, um, maybe it's a family member, uh, maybe they've got a coworker, give them the courage to reach out if, if they really need to, to have someone uh, walk alongside them. 
Uh, we're just uh, thankful for the peace that you bring to our hearts and the light that you shine in our darkness. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you for your uh, thoughtfulness mm. on that. Well, I, I look, I, you give, you're giving me an education here, and I always appreciate <laughs> that. Um, tomorrow is also National Cookie Exchange Day. Mm. So this is something that we'd couple with. Yeah. This is pre-COVID. Okay. You'd, you'd couple this with caroling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it worked out pretty kind of well for the neighbors. Together. But it's uh, a win. But December 22nd is National Cookie Exchange Day and the glorious occasion. I love that. Glorious. When it, when festively <laughs> decorated cookie t- – I don't write these descriptions just so everybody knows. Um uh, cookie tins and boxes appear at cookie exchange parties. It's a classic celebration where the host throws a holiday party for family and friends to which everyone brings delicious homemade cookies to share around. The toughest decision is which cookies to bake. Wintertime classics like thumbprint jam cookies or That's gingerbread are always festive. But since this day celebrates all cookies, mm. right, there's no... There's no favorites here. Right. Go ahead and add in some Funfetti or Lemon Squares. So, Pastor Ben, yeah. for our listeners, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, mm. um, what is your favorite <laughs> cookie, brother? Let's uh, – I'll say a runner-up. We'll, we'll go with, the, with okay. the thumbprint jam cookies. Okay. That's that's a solid cookie, man, the thumbprint jam cookies. And they taste even better during this time of year. They do. There's just something about it. Like Because this is the only time of year that I really – find them around and, and eat them. So, mm. But, man, as far as – like I'm going to say a, a good chocolate chip cookie. It's hard um, to beat. But here's if, – if I might add just – if you can throw some butterscotch chips in there mm. with the chocolate chips, I'm happy as a pig in mud. So, Boom. You, you heard it here. <laughs> butterscotch chocolate chip cookies, folks. Now – when when uh, what's what cookie texture are you are you are you like a soft chewy guy are you crispy what what do you like? It kind of depends on the cookie, I guess. I mean, mm. so it, you know if look at you. Th- there's there's the so sophisticated. <laughs> there's there's a time and a place for you know like right out of the oven, ooey gooey soft. Mm-hmm. There's a time and a place for a good crunchy hearty like monster cookie. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's another one right there, monster mm-hmm. cookies. So. I'll take all the cookies, man. Oh, take, take them all. You're not you. You'll give anything a try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's you? What's what's on your your palate, man? Yeah, a classic good chocolate chip is one of my favorites, and like I really do like a, a crispiness on the outside, but I don't want them so thin mm. that there there's no soft chew to it. Okay. So I like a kind of a variance in textures on yep. those ones. And you're right; it depend it does depend on the cookie. I hadn't really thought about that. Like the more you think about it. Um, I also like, well, since this went like lemon squares, I love like mm. um, like a pecan pie bar or even like a coconut dream kind of, what do they call those? Yeah, like a coconut dream bar or something mm. like that. Those kind of things are pretty good where you've got the um, almost like the pecan pie feeling in it. Okay. Those things are delicious this time of year. Mm. Um, man, just a good, like if you really want to go simple, a good shortbread this time of year. Okay, it can be really good. Yep, um, or just a good sugar. You cookie. get those uh, cookie tins with the shortbread. Yeah, my and stuff. my. So my boys made some. Uh, it was probably a package or something, but they did some sugar cookies, and they're like icing those things and like putting sprinkles all over them. Yeah, and that's too much. But like I had just just the cookie itself. I'm like, man, a, a good sugar cookie can yeah. go a long ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a chocolate mm. chip is hard to beat. 
It really is. It's just a, it's just a classic. When done right. Yeah. Yep. Now, do you like you? Oh, you mentioned butterscotch chips. Are you a nut yeah. guy in yeah. cookies? Or yeah, not I'll, really? do, I'll do like uh, okay. you know pecans, uh, walnuts, kind of things like that. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my kids uh-huh. don't like them, so I don't get I'm those. I do yeah. like uh, chocolate nuts. I think go okay. well together. What about what about if you get a cookie that you think is chocolate chip and you bite into it and it's got raisins in it? <sighs> So I don't mind raisins. We, we may have talked about. Did but, we talk about that on a previous episode? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe like being. I think there was like an oatmeal yeah. cookie raisin day or something. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so I, I disappointed. Yes, if I'm anticipating chocolate yeah, chips. Sure, sure. Um, I don't hate raisins. Okay. So, yeah. but that's another one. I like fruit mm. and chocolate paired together. So if you mm. wanted to put raisins, okay. or if you wanted to put chocolate chips in like an oatmeal raisin cookie, okay, I, I would not object so to if such if a it's thing. It's coexisting in, in okay, but. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, like I said, yeah. the, the chocolate chip's mm. hard to beat, um, but mm. there are some good ones. Summertime, I do like some, like the lemon-flavored yeah. um, type of things. But this time of year, I mean, the chocolate kind of heavier, darker flavors, mm. yeah. it's kind of like beer, you know? It's it just like you can, goes well with, the, with yeah. the season. That's right. And the, um, now I want one with my cup of coffee there that I'm having here. All right, so National Cookie Exchange Day. So, I mean, a great way to connect with your neighbors. That's what what better way than to make uh, make some extras and then just go door to door and yeah. uh, give a plate. I love. It. I got to text my hey, what's your favorite? And he's like, hey, he he was basically like, I'm not picky, so whatever you guys bake, I will happily <laughs> accept some. So, yeah, like again, it just it's it's just yeah. a little way to create some relationship, sure. make a connection. Yep. I mean, I know, and if you have to make gluten free for your neighbor, you know, just be willing to do it. Just do it. There's I've, some good gluten free. Uh, dude, they're actually. I mean, so Sarah would get no. It was a, yeah. Well, she would get them because mm. a, a friend of ours was gluten free, and they would get the. Um, I think it was Trader Joe's brownies mm. that okay. were gluten free. Yeah. Good. Dude, I'm. Mm. There might not be. Like they might be like Ghirardelli box brownies, man. They were like okay. they were that good. Yeah. So. They're out there. Mm. They're not all terrible. No, no they're not. Um, mm. So great. So anyway, caroling, grieve with those who grieve. Yeah. Eat some cookies. Yeah. Um, on your way to celebrating the Messiah. Yeah. Um, mm. And so we're let's talk a little bit about your sermon this week. We looked. Uh, we continued our. It's a ponder anew is the name of the series, and what we are doing is looking at portraits of Christ uh, that New Testament writers draw out of. The Old Testament. And so we've looked at Jesus as uh, a second Adam. We've looked at Jesus as the son of Abraham or the seed of Abraham. Uh, We've looked at Jesus as the shoot of Jesse. And now we are looking at Jesus this week as a superior Moses. Yeah. Brother, that was a great message. Man, it was just, it was was fun to put it together. It's been a fun series. So again, uh, a hat tip to you for the idea. Um, You you put a couple of of ideas together for different sermon series, and that was the one that really uh, tugged at myself and the worship committee that Mm. met. And so then it was just a matter of putting some flesh to it, putting some. Well, you some put bones some meat it. on those bones this Man, week. You know what? It was it was a a week of of preparation that um, going into it, I just I didn't want to get up and and, and share something that didn't inspire me about mm. Jesus being the superior Moses. I didn't just want to get up there and give uh, a, a a big theological lesson on it. That's important to have the good th- theology in a sermon, but I, I I wanted to I just wanted the Holy Spirit to, mm. to find a way to hijack them. 
<laughs> just hijack it in some way. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I felt like the whole service from start to finish, you know, it's just awesome when when a, when a service has that entire feeling through every element of it, where you just know, I mean, God's doing some working here, and it's and it's very evident. And so then when you get up to preach, you know, it's like the last thing we do in the service. Then it's like, okay, then really we're just landing the plane is what we're doing here now, right? And mm. so, yeah, it, it was fun putting that message together. Well, I, I really appreciated it. And we'll talk about some of those things towards the end of our conversation here. But yeah. I, I think uh, the connection between of Jesus to Adam and David, they're very familiar with us uh, to us, right? Yeah. Uh, but the connection to Moses is – it's one of those ones where a lot of ways it's more subtle mm. – um, and the, the more I've gotten into biblical studies, the more I see, wow, this is like a hugely yeah. important connection, right. um, and it's it's prominent. But it, what's the reason behind maybe us more naturally? At least I, for me, it's always been like thinking of Jesus as the Davidic king, yeah. or the again undoing what Adam has done. Um, why do you think that Moses tends to be a less prominent connection for us as Christians and churches? I think it kind of goes back to what you said maybe a week ago or so, um, something along the lines of really for, for us as as Christians uh, who are not Jewish, who weren't raised mm. Jewish with such a respect for Moses, it's easier for us, I think, to elevate David um, and to elevate Abraham or, or other folks who aren't as, tach, as attached to the law. I mm. think when we think of Old Testament, we think of um, the law, the Old Testament law, we think of Moses. Um, there's just a lot of Christians that we read those, those stories, those texts as just they're, they're done with. You know, mm. Jesus came along and we don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore kind of thing. So mm. that may be some of it. Um, law bad, grace good. Yeah. So we jettison yeah. Moses along with, I think with so. the law. Yeah, that's, it's easy that's to actually, do. yeah, that's probably insightful. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I that sounds great <laughs> to me. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would have put it that clearly, but I, that's probably a big part of it. And I, and I wonder, as, as I was getting into the, the sermon writing, I guess, mm. you know, when, when I was thinking through it, like, okay, we're declaring that Jesus is the superior Moses. And so in, in the message, you know, I, I pointed out that for everybody in, in the church on Sunday, like, that's not anything that they would say, oh, my gosh. Right. Did he just say that? But, yeah. you know, and so then to say, well, to whom was that a radical statement yeah. to? And it would have been just about everybody in Jesus' day. And I would say there's probably people who practice the Jewish faith today who haven't accepted Jesus as Messiah who are still – they think they're still waiting for Messiah, that they would say – Absolutely not. He's not the superior Moses, mm. right? And, and so, uh, to make that connection to say that Jesus is a superior Moses means he's over, over it all. Because I guess I didn't really make that connection so much to, to think that Moses would have been, you know, we talked about the greatest of all time, you know, sure. the, the goat. You yeah, know, that for for many that was a great way, of, you know, of making us feel what maybe those first century Jews sure. would have felt. Sure. Yeah. Sure, and and that doesn't take away anything from from David, Father Abraham. Like they all have, like they are prominent figures. Like you think of the the Mount Rushmore of, of Judaism. Mm-hmm. I mean, Moses is there, and he's surrounded probably by, by David and Abraham, Elijah. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about the Mount of Transfiguration and those who showed up on the mountain there. Um, yeah, but to say that you know Moses would have been sort of the one as they're waiting for Messiah to come, they're like, this Messiah's got to do. What Moses did, but on on a greater scale, mm. you know. And I think for for those that were walking and living, I mean, Jesus did awesome miracles, 
but they weren't necessarily what they were wanting <laughs> the new Messiah, the, the new Moses, superior Moses to do, you know, like kick out the Romans, like let's end this yeah. <laughs> and restore the kingdom uh, to, to Israel. Um, so, yeah, I think that I think that hit me harder this week, just thinking about um, that statement of Jesus being the superior Moses. Sure. That's great. Well, and, that, and now it triggers in my mind that um, at the end of the, the Torah, you've got that statement, man, there's never been a prophet like okay. Moses. Yeah, yeah. And so when you're looking at, again, especially the Tanakh ordering of the, right. the Old Testament, it's right. that idea of it makes sense that the New Testament writers would draw on that mm. and make that connection. And I hadn't thought about, again, because of some of the abuses of the law, even by those first century Jews, I think of a lot of the um, intertestamental period, like Jewish literature is arguing, debating over laws and like, okay. what's the right way of doing that? You get the uh, Talmud and the Mishnah and all these kind of um, what they call building a fence around the law. And, oh, and yeah. that became so kind prominent. Traditions. It mm-hmm. would make sense that Moses becomes the figurehead for a lot of that. He does, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so as you're talking this out, I'm going, there's a bunch of connections mm-hmm. and I'm going, oh, that does kind of make sense. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, as we kind of distance ourselves because I think we import right some of the the wrong ways that certain sects of Judaism use the law mm-hmm. to to jettison it. Sure. Um, and I think Jesus would say, "Don't do that." With the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, I think we yeah. th- sometimes I think we see Paul doing that when he's really not. Okay. I think what he's doing is addressing these abuses, sure. and we can throw it out with the baby with the bathwater. And and mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that kind of Moses gets attached to to some of that probably, <laughs> which is kind of interesting idea. Uh-huh. That's yeah. great. Um, That's good. So one of the ways I started to recognize the mm-hmm. Jesus Moses connection is yeah. through that larger theme of like a new Exodus. Yep. So he he's a figure in it, but there's yep. that the theme is much bigger than just a connection between him and Jesus. It's also uh, tied to a lot of other things. And so as you studied. Uh, this week, maybe especially since it's Christmas time, um, did you see any kind of connections between that theme of a new Exodus and um, Jesus's kind of birth or early years there? Yeah, I mean, you've got the um, the, the announcement of, of of the birth of of, of both of, of Moses and, and Jesus that there's you know something special about the the births mm. uh, for these two individuals. Um, the the killing of of the newborns uh, mm-hmm. in Egypt and uh, when Herod announces uh, and so that would have been already like what two years around two years after Jesus was was born right because then the Magi come to Herod and they're like they're looking for <laughs> the one that was born mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that gets Herod on the defensive and so you've got this killing of of newborns of infants uh, males um, that is attached there um, of course and Moses. Um, um, that does so. Yeah, does he flee? No. So Jesus and and so they so Jesus and his parents flee to Egypt. Correct. Um, after that edict, and and it's which is interesting because the Jewish people, the nation, the Exodus takes them out of Egypt, right, going towards the Promised Land. But then Jesus and his family. End up going to Egypt for protection, yeah. <laughs> for, <laughs> to, to escape the killing, and then they end up coming back. I don't know when when they came. No, when I, they were in Egypt, but yeah, and that's a, so Herod now, who is a part of Israel, mm-hmm. is like in the place of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. and I think that's I think Matthew's slapping his fellow Israelites in the face with that story, in that 
Now, it's Israel that's actually playing the part of Egypt. Egypt, wow. And being the one that wow. is doing the, the horrible <laughs> – so it's a kind of a strange inversion. That's interesting. And then they fl- – yeah, they flee to Egypt for refuge, <laughs> which that, that's, the, that's the fun twist, I think, oh in the story. Um, but yeah, do you think Matthew's original audience would have been shocked by that? It, it would have. Oh, off I think a bit. that's a good way to get them to put your gospel down. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh. But that I think that theme of of that kind of inverted kingdom um, idea is he's really yeah he's going to challenge some things. But yeah, I think uh, I don't know that. Mm. I think we read it now. It's a cute little story, and I think it's if to a yeah. to a diehard Jewish person. Yeah. Um, there, it's probably kind of an insulting beginning. Mm. Ominous. God beginning took us out of Egypt to save us, and here the Messiah is going to Egypt for a period of time. How long was that? Is there is it any biblical record on how long they would have been in Egypt? Oh, I guess it would oh. have been after Herod died. So then, yeah. So I don't know how long exactly okay. that was, but I'll yeah, it's a it's a period of time. I mean, because he comes back, he's let's see, because yeah, the next story you've got because they dedicate him at the temple, and then does he then they flee. Well, you're doing yeah. Simeon. We'll yeah. have to look Simeon. at some of the timeline. Mm-hmm. I'm, I would be a little – it's probably – yeah, it's for a, a little bit. But obviously by the yeah. time he's going through his little bar mitzvah or whatever, yeah. they're back. So it's it's gotcha. probably a period – a shorter period of time. But, man. That's interesting. I mean, like those lost years of Jesus as, as, a, as an infant little kid. Yeah. And like – where where did they go? Like, wouldn't that be interesting that, to to know where they went to in Egypt? Like, we we're, we're so centered on like where he lived and 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 like, what about those years when when they were there? Like, it would be so cool to make that connection of where they could have been and yeah. So maybe well, and think about like we I don't know if we think about how disruptive that little census was. Yeah, because they're in Bethlehem right. for a couple of years. It's not like yeah. the census right. was they sent right. out a digital form, you filled it out, and yeah. then they right you yeah. you had to like leave your work and That's your home crazy. for like over. A couple of years, wow. and then they're, and they eventually end up back in Nazareth. That's but man, wow. yeah, it, that whole wow series of events disrupted that family a lot. It's mm. kind of, I mean, yeah, when you really That's start jarring. to think about it and look mm. at the timeline, you're like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, this was not just a short little uh, trip down to see family here. Mm. But um, so yeah, go. I would encourage you to go look at that. Mm. Matthew's Gospel is a great example. Luke does this too, though. Mm. Um, and that'll carry on in and maybe give you some ideas of how gospel writers will make a connection to the Exodus story. Yeah. Um, you, meant, you mentioned the Mount of Transfiguration, right? There's probably something there with a, like Moses, you know, coming off the mountain with a, kind of that glowing figure face. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, there's just all sorts of different things. Jesus mm-hmm. getting baptized in the Jordan River. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, that's probably connection to the Red Sea as oh, well yeah. as uh, sure. when Joshua crosses over to the Promised Land. Right. Um, so they're they're all over the place, and so we'll just plant that seed in your brain as you're kind of reading through the Gospels. Do some treasure hunting. Yeah, look for connections back to that Exodus story. And the the fun thing is to look for the twists because it's not meant to be an exact parallel, but sure. a lot of times they'll do little hmm. inverted things to get you thinking about who's really the issue. Like it's easy to blame Babylon or Egypt or those sort of things, but a lot right. of times they'll hold up the mirror to Israel to sure. say – Maybe yeah. you're a part of the problem. Sure. Um, and yeah. that's why Jesus came, to mm-hmm. save us all. So anything yeah. else, that, uh, like your favorite takeaway from, from this, this study this week? I've Fav- got something to share after you're done. Yeah. Favorite takeaway was the, the Numbers 21 okay. uh, with, with the snakes being released that's, into well, the That camp, was the right? one I was going to mention. That's, so. that's just, uh, <laughs> to me, it's, it's a story that it sounds 
it's just it's just interesting. It's unique. Uh, and so if you're not familiar with that story, the Israelites are grumbling and complaining in the wilderness. Again. And, again. <laughs> and they're not treating Moses like the goat, like the great. They're not, they're not fan fanboying out over Moses and longing for going back into slavery in Egypt. Um, not appreciative of what God has done for them. And so uh, God releases serpents, hmm. poisonous serpents amongst the, the people. And some of them, some of them get bitten. And they die. <laughs> and so talk about an altar call, you know. And so the people go to Moses and say, we're sorry. We repent for our grumbling against you and God. Would you please pray to God and, and have him take these snakes <laughs> away from mm. us? And so then God has Moses fashion a bronze serpent, put on a pole, and then anyone who was snake bitten was to look up at that serpent, and then they would be cured. And so then the one of the connections to that is in there's actually a couple in in, in John, um, and I, this was my absolute favorite was when when Jesus is talking to uh, the the scholar the Pharisee Nicodemus mm-hmm. in John three, um, before we get to our beloved John three sixteen passage, mm. which I mean the context of it just makes it so much more rich. But uh, Nicodemus is inquiring about who Jesus is, and uh, in in John three thirteen, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. You're going to talk mm. about the Son of Man coming up uh, on Sunday. Uh, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, uh, or just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, mm. so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And so there's that connection of Jesus is going to be that one that those who've been bitten by the snake can look up at Jesus and be cured. And then there's a subtle one in John 12. Um, it's not as specific to it, but you can kind of pick up the tones of it mm. uh, where Jesus, let's see here, John 12... Where is oh okay so this is verse thirty four, the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law of that the Messiah will remain forever forever. So how can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, "You are going to have wait uh, no oh, I, <laughs> no, 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 no scratch that." All right, so verse thirty, uh, Jesus said, "This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is hmm. the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out." And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Mm. So there's sort of that concept of yeah. lifted up um, and for people to see, to believe, and, and that Jesus is Well, and the, the one cure. driven out. Who is yeah. the one driven out in yep. the garden? So you've yeah. got the yeah. uh, so kind of that, that connection to the, to the serpent there. So. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you're right. The language is a little more subtle, but I think it's a pretty clear connection. So tell me what's, what's going on in your mind oh, with that was, all of that. Oh, that was the one I wanted to mention. I just – I really th- felt like you beautifully drew out that connection um, between that story. And, and Jesus, Jesus makes the, the connection explicitly. But the way you painted that picture of – Again, the object of wrath mm. becoming mm. the object of salvation, salvation yeah. both in that with the bronze serpent, but also, I mean, that's what the cross is, right? It's, it's like, yeah. it's the object of God's wrath um, becoming our salvation. Just the way that you brought out how God mm. bends and redeems those things to his, his beautiful purposes was gorgeous. Yeah. 
So that. when I know you were tearing up, you had me tearing up. Man, it was just uh, our I front just, row was. Um, I just I just hope it it, it mm. hits. Uh, I hope that the Holy Spirit speaks. And then of course the you know we talked about Hebrews three, mm-hmm. um, and sort of the the take home for this. Mm-hmm. Um, don't harden your hearts. If, mm-hmm. if you hear, uh, if if the the Lord is working on your heart, and you feel the Spirit nudging you to, if there's sin in your life, if there's rebellion, if there's uh, whatever. I mean, we, we all uh, the Spirit speaks to us all in different ways, mm-hmm. and and is sanctifying us in different ways. And uh, so let's let's not harden our hearts because it's easy to, and and I I do it. I mean, and I think, um, um, you know. Part you, you know how it is. You get up there and you preach, and you think you're preaching to everybody else, mm. and it's like <laughs> the Lord's like He's preaching to me, man. Like you're putting that message, and you're you know you're you're putting the message together throughout the week, and so you're you're getting it there. And then when you stand up to preach, people may think, well, you're just preaching at me. Well, I'm, we're, we're getting hit just as hard. I mean, if we're if if, if <laughs> my best sermons are just shared conviction. There you go. <laughs> There you oh. go. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how it is. Well, brother, I really appreciate it. I, I, you know, I've been thinking through. Um, well, I think what you did for me this holiday season is when I see a manger, um, I, I'm you. You called me to remember the cross um, through that message, and so that was really powerful. And so, and my hope for this week is yeah. that when people see the manger, they'll remember the heavenly, glorious throne, yeah. which as we look at the Son of Man and kind of land the plane on this series. Um, and so mm. we encourage you, if you're in town, we, look, yes. we know, we know Christmas is um, on a Sunday this year, and it's very tempting to probably just stay in bed um, and not show up, but we're going to encourage you, come out, like, get come up, on. open your gifts, yes. do the presents, yes. come in your pajamas. Please. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to rally in the social hall, mm. sing some carols around a piano, yeah. um, and really just have a nice family time. And so we'd love to see everybody yeah. uh, there. And I, I don't know. It's a. I know of churches that are have canceled services sure. and doing something different. And um, you know, probably in particular contexts that might might be appropriate. Um, in the world we're living in, I think here in, in mm-hmm. St. Joseph, I think it's good to kind of say, you know what, we're gonna. This is a great way to say we we walk around with the bumper sticker or whatever. <laughs> the Jesus is the reason for the season. So here's your chance to <laughs> to prove it. Um, Here's there you your go. chance to prove it. There you go. Uh, so again, I'll I'll go I'll do these backwards. We're do, we are doing one service on Christmas Day, 10 a.m. So December 25th, come out for that. Uh, the night before, we got two Christmas Eve services, uh, 5 p.m. and 11 p.m. Mm. We'll have some baptisms at yes. the 5 p.m. service, and it's a special time for us because three of the four <laughs> are our kids, pastors' kids. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we'll be if you want to see. Uh, Ben and Aaron, two wow. baldies. We, we don't need shower caps <laughs> that night. Uh, baptizing our kids, mm. uh, again, 5 p.m. Mm. Um, and if you want to do the later one, uh, 11 p.m. And then, uh, again, tomorrow, if you don't hear otherwise, yeah. uh, Blue Christmas Service, 6 p.m., come 6 PM, grieve. Yeah. They say a shared sorrow is half a sorrow. Mm. Um, and so, again, if you're grieving, come grieve with others because yeah. it will lighten your burden. Um, if you're not, come share that burden with sure. others and, and help bear, bear each other's burdens this this week. So anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, beware of the bears. Grace and peace out.